Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, y'all. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutter is off today, and this morning we'll be joined by Father Jacob Stinnett, parochial vicar at St. Brendan the Navigator Parish, and Nicole Simmental, director of music at the St. Thomas More Newman Center at the Ohio State University. We'll be talking about our Blessed Mother, consecration to Jesus through Mary, and Marian devotions. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Start us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. We praise you and we thank you for another day, Lord, for your goodness and for your graces and for your love. We, in particular, thank you for the gift of such a heavenly mother to guide us, that she cares for us, that she wraps her mantle around us, that that she is just so attentive in all the ways that we didn't even know that we needed. Lord, you first entrusted yourself to her. Help us to understand and come to entrust ourselves to her as well so that we could draw closer to you so that our whole life is oriented to one big fiat. Mm. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We offer ourselves to you. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. From Psalm 143, in the morning, let me know your love, for I put my trust in you. Make me know the way I should walk. To you, I lift up my soul. How you doing, Amanda? I'm good. How was your I- evening? It was quite well. I uh, You started us off with a psalm today. Where'd that come from? Morning prayer, actually. Okay. Yeah. What struck you about that? You just <laughs> well, threw it, it up there. It, it, I love it. It came from God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nicole's laughing over there. <laughs> We're going to have a fun show this morning. No, it, it, that's just one of the psalms that stood out to me this morning. Yeah. Through morning prayer. Well, thanks for sharing with us. In the morning, let me know your love, for I put my trust in you. Okay, I'm going to walk with that today. Well, there you go. Thank you. But last night was a lot of fun. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Well, okay. So Lent, of course. Ash Wednesday was yesterday. Um, I don't think I've ever had this big of a problem finding a parking space in the parking lot at Mass, which is a great thing. So uh, uh, yeah, went to Mass. And then right afterwards, I had volleyball. And this was our first win. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. We did great. And it was it was fun during the whole game because it was always whenever something would go right, it was like, oh, it's because we have the ashes on our, like, you know, or, <laughs> oh, it's just the grace of God. Or it was all the self-denial that we did today for fasting. <laughs> is, so it was uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> is uh, Get Diggy with it primarily a Catholic team? Yeah, there is um, about three of us who are Catholic. Um, no, mm, four of us. Yeah. Um, so primarily, mm-hmm. yes. And so it's it's always fun, right? Because our ashes very much make us stand out. Mm-hmm. And this is a big, big place with several courts. And so we did have a couple people be like, what's on your forehead? And so it was a great opportunity for um, sharing 
sharing a little bit about our faith. So, And how did you do last night? Personally? Yeah. <laughs> I did pretty good. Nice. I'm, I'm growing. I'm growing for sure. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, Mass last night. Uh, same. Um, full house. And uh, uh, Father Jacob was saying, uh, uh, while we were just hanging out before the show, um, had over 800 people at St. Brendan the Navigator last wow. night. So, yeah. There you go. Speak yeah, up. that was um, just our 5.30 evening Mass at over 800 people. That was our fourth Mass of the day. All of our Masses were full. It was crazy. It was almost like Christmas or Easter again. So, uh, But I reminded our people and to all of our listeners, we always have Wednesday evening Mass at St. Brendan's at 5.30, so maybe make it part of their Lenten program to mm. keep coming back. It's a great yeah. idea. Great kickoff to the season. Great kickoff to the season. Today's gospel is from Luke. Luke chapter 9, verses 22 to 25. Jesus said to his disciples, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is there for one to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit himself? What stood out for you, Amanda? Um, I think daily in, in the sentence that he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me in the daily stood out to me because it was just a tangible reminder of, oh yeah, this isn't just a general idea of I should take up my cross. It's a commitment every day. And, uh, I also underline the word deny himself because I think there's a tendency to almost be a little nervous about that word uh, because it does call a lot from us. But in uh, in reflection, it's it's really it's not the denial for denial's sake, right? Mm, it's mm-hmm. the denial is actually for greater love, and and really that denial is. Like love is self-gift. And so that's what it's for the sake of. So it makes denial seem a little less intense of a word. Well, it gives it a point, right? I mean, a a, a direction. Um, I had to go to John Paul II for this because actually it was deny yourself, but then also um, take up his cross daily daily and follow me. So I went back to John Paul II, World Youth Day 2001. Because I've prayed on um, what does it mean to uh, take up your cross differently at different times. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially around, okay, what kind of, I'm self-mortification or that denial sufferings each day. So I'm just going to pick up my sufferings and, and follow you. I really like what John Paul II says 
Um, as the cross can be reduced to being an ornament, to carry the cross can become just a, man, a manner of speaking. In the teaching of Jesus, however, it does not imply the preeminence of mortification and denial. It does not refer primarily to the need to endure patiently the great and small tribulations of life, or even less to the exaltation of pain as a means of pleasing God. It is not suffering for its own sake that a Christian seeks, but love. When the cross is embraced, it becomes a sign of love and of total self-giving. To carry it behind Christ means to be united with him in offering the greatest proof of love. Mm -hmm. John Paul II for the win. (laughs) Yes. Actually, part of the what you looked up this morning also goes on. He must deny himself. To deny oneself is to give up one's own plans that are often small and petty in order to accept God's plan. I really actually like that small and petty part because it's like, oh, yeah, actually, some <laughs> humility here. My plans are are really not as great as God's plans. Ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to have a conversation in just a couple minutes with our guests, Father Jacob Stinnett and Nicole Simmental. We're going to be talking consecration, Marian devotions, and just loving on the Blessed Mother. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Heavenly Father, today I pray for our suffering nation that you would raise up godly leaders with hearts and minds open to your truth. I pray for our government leaders, our military, and our first responders. I beg that in your mercy you would replace division with unity, hatred with love, evil with purity, chaos with peace. Most of all, I pray that the knowledge of your goodness and sovereignty will spread across this nation, setting hearts afire. But I also humbly recognize that I play an important part of that process in the way I treat every person you send my way. Therefore, Lord, open my eyes and heart and let me not be blinded by my own understanding. When I am tempted to take an us-against-them viewpoint, help me, rather, to see each person as a precious son or daughter of God. And then, Lord, give me the grace to love that person as you do. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of self-control is seen in Blessed Charles de Foucault. He lived self-control heroically by allowing the grace of Christ to transform him after an undisciplined and licentious life as a French officer. After experiencing a deep conversion, he worked to attain joyful mastery over his passions. He eventually became a priest and went to the Sahara Desert to pursue a solitary life of prayer. Let us ask Blessed Charles de Foucault to pray for us, that we may grow in self-control. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. Freedom is something we desire in our lives. Freedom to worship and freedom to vote are two key freedoms that we are thankful for in our country, along with many personal freedoms. 
One of the reasons I began working as a fitness professional was because I discovered a method of exercise that allowed fitness freedom to use whatever the environment provided to move, explore, and play. Freedom is key in our spiritual lives. God gives us free will to love and follow Him. He doesn't force us, but He never gives up on us. Instead, He patiently waits for us to freely choose Him. St. John Paul II said, Freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. Let us pray. May we embrace the freedom that comes from having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ to become the person God created us to be. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and right now we welcome into the St. Gabriel Cafe Father Jacob Stinnett and Nicole Simmental. Morning, folks. Good morning. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Yesterday, Ash Wednesday, which makes today, Father... Well, Dave, I often like to call the day after Ash Wednesday Cheeseburger Thursday. Mm. Wait, what? <laughs> because Ash Wednesday, uh, you know, we have that abstinence from meat, followed immediately by the first Friday mm-hmm. of Lent, another abstinence from meat. Mm. So this day in between is Cheeseburger Thursday. Right. You know, as Jesus says in the gospel that he is going to be, he's going to suffer, be rejected, killed, but also be raised from the dead. So I like to use Cheeseburger Thursday as a reminder of our hope that Lent is a, a means to an end, to the end of Easter, to new life and the glories of bacon cheeseburgers. And yeah, that slice of cheddar could be the sunrise, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah nice. And the bacon? The bacon is the glories of heaven. Mm, yes. If we did cheeseburger and milkshake, would that be too much? Oh man, that that might break the uh, the whole penitential season of Lent. Maybe one or the other. Okay. Maybe that's like what you do for Easter Monday, sort of thing. Like just you know, go to Chick Fil A, go to Steak and Shake, and just have a good time. Culvers, <laughs> yeah, ooh, Culvers, yes, one mm-hmm. of our good sponsors here. That's right, Nicole. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? I had no clue that was did, coming. Did you know <laughs> that there's that a one. cheeseburger Thursday? <laughs> Not at all. No, no clue. Me neither. <laughs> I guess I know what I'm getting for lunch, though. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the Blessed Mother this morning. Uh, one of the first things that we did, uh, it was pretty soon after you arrived, right, Amanda, that... Um, when we really started talking about the St. Gabriel Cafe and uh, getting it rolling. Um, and I think it, you, you proposed doing the, uh, the consecration to Jesus through Mary. I uh, think pretty quickly on, it was a team decision that we knew this was a new step for us. And we really wanted it to be whatever the Lord wanted it to be. And so how do you do that best? Well consecration to Jesus through Mary. So it just seemed like the next best step in our planning process for the morning show. Yeah. So we were able to pray through uh, Father Gately's uh, consecration together as a, as a team every mm-hmm. afternoon. And, yeah. And richly blessed, richly blessed. So what is a consecration, Father? Uh, that's a great question, Dave. Um, the consecration to Jesus through Mary is... I suppose in my own experience, my own words, uh, the the way in which I have entrusted myself, my intentions, um, my heart, really, to 
to Jesus, as all of us do as, you know, baptized Christians, but in a particular way, through Mary's intercession. Um, she is, you know, the queen of heaven and earth, the queen of all saints. She's the one who ha- is closest to Jesus's heart. Um, and so by sort of dedicating ourselves, dedicating myself and uh, and anyone who does the consecration, um, it sort of orients maybe our hearts closer to Mary. Um, it's also making a commitment to her to remain close to her, um, to trust her more deeply as our mother, as our intercessor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Catechism, paragraph 975, I, I think gives a nice explanation also. Uh, we believe that the Holy Mother of God, the new Eve, mother of the church, continues in heaven to exercise her maternal role on behalf of the members of Christ. Beautiful. So, your, yours was good too. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Well, Father, because sometimes we hear people say consecration to Mary. Like that's, we just summarize it in that way instead of saying consecration to Jesus through Mary. Is it always implied or in a certain sense, are we also consecrating ourselves to Mary? What, how can we look at those words? I mean, I think both are true. Um, Consecration to Jesus through Mary, consecration to Mary is sort of the shorthand maybe of that. Um, I tend to take more of a higher Mariology myself. Um, so I'm perfectly fine with saying that we're consecrated to Mary as well. Um, you know, she's the the uh, the co-mediatrix and all of those other wonderful titles. Um, so she she's not, while she is fully human and nothing more, there's also something about Mary that's higher than the rest of creation, mm-hmm. right? Some of the uh, fathers of the church and theologians through the ages have said that, um, you know, Mary is loved by God more than all the rest of creation put together. And, you know, that might sound a little strange, or a little exclusive. Well, doesn't God love all of us the same? <laughs> well, yes and no. He loves all of us infinitely, but the intensity of that can be more, which sort of makes sense. Those of us who have a deeper, closer relationship with God, he's going to be pouring out more graces because we're open to them. Mm. Um, And Mary being immaculately conceived, being Jesus's mother, of course he loves her the most, just like all of us love our mothers the most. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I'm perfectly fine saying we're consecrated to Mary because of that just unique and singular role that she played in the history of salvation and continues to play in the church today, right? She is the church sort of personified in image. and uh, I'm very comfortable consecrating myself to her that way. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, when um, to talk about your devotion uh, to Mary, uh, have you always raised Catholic, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. um, have you always walked with Mary? Yes. I mean, I remember, um, you know, my grandmother had a, a strong devotion uh, to the saints and to, to Mary, and um, I was part of... In grade school, I was part of the Rosary Club, which was basically me and all the older women of the church. Um, and we would pray the Rosary. And I don't know, you know, I didn't grow my family. We didn't necessarily pray the Rosary in the home, but I just I wanted to be in church all the time. So I was just always there. And so they had this club and I um, I started praying the Rosary there, you know, and then um, I would say my deeper devotion to Mary came, you know, later. Um, 
when I consecrated myself to Mary, um, when I first moved to Columbus in 2017, mm-hmm. um, I didn't line it up that way, but, um, I had, you know, people were talking about it. And so I decided to do it and, um, it's changed my life, you know, mm-hmm. um, Mary is, Mary's the best, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I like to think of it when we're talking about, you know, consecrating, like entrusting oneself, like entrusting one, you know, everything, um, all of our, you know, possessions, everything to Mary. Um, and that's really what the consecration is, right? We give her all of our prayers. We give her all of our, you know, um, sacrifices, everything we give it to her and she just makes it so perfect for, um, the Lord because she knows best what Jesus wants for each of us. And, and I just imagine, you know, God willing, when we, we enter heavenly glory, like just being wrapped in her mantle because we have entrusted ourselves to her and how beautiful that will be and how humbling, you know, to say, it's not, it's not what I did, but it's all what married, you know, giving her all of the praise in that way, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I feel like marrying consecration has changed my life and, um, I constantly encourage others to, to do it as well. We're actually, getting ready to start as a staff at the Newman Center consecration to Mary um, coming up next week. So we'll start uh, our preparation. Is and, Father uh, Adam? Yeah, and yeah. he's leading it. And he has, you know, he's the St. Louis de Montfort uh, yes. pro. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. all the things. So we're excited to to do that with him. He did a series for us a number of years ago. I'll have to check and see if it's still up on the website um, going through the de uh, Montfort consecration. Yes. So. Yeah, I have a funny, or not a funny, but a cool story about you know Mary in at the Newman Center. We um, this past summer, you know, we've been doing renovations, and um, those are coming along, and it's beautiful. Uh, but we decided I really wanted a grotto, you know, outside. Um, and so Jim, who was doing uh, the maintenance work and stuff, uh, we're like, how do we make this happen? You know, and he's. He's very good at all that stuff. And so we just put our minds to it and, you know, we got this grotto up and, uh, and so when the students came back, you know, it was new to them, you know, that was like the first thing they saw and they were just all so excited. And I remember it was pouring rain one day and, uh, I was leaving and I just saw, you know, 10 or 12 students all praying the rosary on their knees by that grotto. Mm -hmm. And I was just so moved because I thought here it's in the pouring rain and they're just out there praying the rosary to our lady. And um, another really cool story is when, um, you know, we have a lot of construction workers um, who, you know, we, I don't know their, their religion. Um, most of them aren't Catholic, you know, uh, but they're all very respectful and they know um, they're in a Catholic church and, and they've always been uh, very respectful of that. But there was one, one guy in particular I always said good morning to, and we just happened to get there at the same time most days. And every day I go to that statue outside and I entrust my day to Our Lady um, and all the students um, who I encounter and all the students who walk through that building to her. And uh, he was walking by and I said, how are you doing? And he said, oh, I can't complain. He said, you know what? But when I am having a bad day, he said, I don't know. I just bring everything back to this place. Hmm. And, uh, you know, he's not Catholic. And I thought, He's toast because he buries hands. As a priest once said, he's burnt toast. <laughs> Only a matter of time. <laughs> when Mary gets you. Exactly. Yeah. But I was like, she has him. I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, where Where is the grotto on, on the property? So when you, in the parking lot, 
Um, mm-hmm. You're looking at the building, the doors, which is just to the left there. Um, so there's a, we built like, you know, a shelter for her and then uh, the statue. And then we have a rose garden and some other, Beautiful. and there's a bench there uh, nice. where people can sit and pray. And yeah. yeah. We're talking about Marian consecration with Nicole Simmental and Father Jacob Stinnett. Could I assume, and I know that's always a bad sentence <laughs> there. Um was the De Montfort consecration the first one that each of you guys did? No. No? No. I no. No. Oh, but it's the one I <laughs> Okay, would one out of four. I okay. was just yeah, assuming you were all like me. So no. That's a joke. Um actually it was Father Adam. Um I, I, boy. I may have done the De Montfort consecration on my own mm. and that was hard um it, it's that i mean it's intense and yeah de montfort might not be the best place to start for some yeah. people um father gately has his 33 days to morning glory i think that's a really popular one yeah um, that's where i started um i imagine that's where a lot of people have started okay um recently this past year so i try to renew my marian consecration every year my day is december 8th the immaculate conception it's my home parish. That's um, that's that was the first Mary that I got to know in a way. Um, this year, I read through uh, a, a new book from Bo- Father Boniface Hicks, um, who's a Benedictine out in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, the book is called uh, "Fruit of Her Womb," and he sort of takes a new twist on uh, the De Montfort consecration. Um, I can see Nicole has hers on. A lot of people uh, wear it like a chain around their wrist or maybe their mm-hmm. ankle or something like that to symbolize their consecration to Mary. And um, I think it's supposed to represent sort of that, the servitude or that we're servants of Mary. De Montfort will sometimes use stronger language of slaves mm-hmm. of Mary. And Father Boniface, um, he sort of like talked about the elephant in the room that actually, you know, in our society today, we're sort of really uncomfortable with that term, um, servant or slave. Um, and so instead of using that as sort of our total dependence on Mary, he used the image of being in her womb. Um, that like little children, like children Mary, as those of us who want to have and need to have that complete dependence on Mary, um, we just find ourselves in her womb where we're completely dependent on her as a mother. And I thought the added benefit of that is, well, if we're in Mary's womb, Jesus is there with us too. Um, so I uh, that sort of really changed uh, the way, and I think just gave me a really a much deeper appreciation um, for for Marian consecration. So I highly recommend and have recommended that book to several other people, and um, there are lots of good reflections in there. He'll quote from Pope Francis, from Pope Benedict, from Pope John Paul II, uh, quite a bit in there. Mm-hmm. Three popes who have who have and have had uh, just very intense and deep and personal relationships with the Blessed Virgin as well. We're talking about Marian consecration, Father Jacob Stinnett, Nicole Simmental. I like your suggestion about um, starting with a book like Father Gately's. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with uh, Father Hicks' uh, book, but that idea of renewing each year, um, there are so many different um, approaches, varieties of... Um, entering into the consecration i know father nathan cromley has one uh, of course uh, de montfort gately no, um, father hicks 
There's also one called Totus Chewis, which is through the lens of St. John Paul II. That's mm -hmm. actually the one I started with. Um, I've heard good things about that one. Which is very beautiful. Mm -hmm. On his, uh, obviously on his teachings. Mm -hmm. on, yeah, on, through on his hearing. lens of, yeah. Um, and But it's the 33 days of preparation to consecrate yourself to Mary. So mm -hmm. it's very beautiful. How about you, Amanda? Um, I actually started with 33 days to morning glory. And then I, I think I did that twice and then did the De Montfort. Uh, and I would agree with you, Father, that it, I don't know. There, it, for me, it was a, a better place to start, at least where I was at in my own spiritual walk. And uh, in, maybe I can pose this question to you all. What was it like taking that step of doing a Marian consecration? Was it something that you're unsure about, something you're totally ready for. What did doing a Marian consecration mean to you? Hmm. Because Nicole, you were sharing that you had grown up very Marian, but you actually didn't do your Marian consecration until 2017. No, I mean, I didn't know it was a thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, the only really, like I said, Marian thing that I knew was the rosary. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't even, we didn't, have I would say in my family life we didn't necessarily have like a strong devotion to her I mm -hmm. mean besides you know I would say like what my parents were given they passed on and so forth but I I just remember and it's been the story of my whole life and I guess all of us can say this in different ways but like how the Lord places very specific people in our path um, who ultimately you know draw us closer to him and if we're open to the graces of it um, they bear fruit right so um, I think when I was in graduate school, um, I had a good friend who's now um, a novice with a religious order, but she she had a strong devotion to Mary, and she was the one who told me about that book, Totus Tuus, and and kind of, and I just like saw her, and I was like, I just saw the way she lived her life, and I was like, as moved by it, you know. And there were Dominican priests there, and I was just like, there's something there that like I want to be a part of, you know, and uh, so. I know that she did it. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I got ready to move. And then, and it was just perfect timing because I was moving to a city. I knew no one, you know, and um, starting a new job. And my first time, like not in school anymore um, after being in school for, you know, 29 years. So it was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I just, and I didn't really understand what it was. You know, um, and as I was reading the reflections, of course, growing deeper, um, and I don't think we can ever fully understand what it is because it's in some ways it's a mystery, right? It's a, it's kind of interesting ourselves uh, to Mary is, you know, like we can know a lot about it, but like just like God, it's it's a mystery ultimately that we keep searching, keep longing for, and keep looking for. But um, yeah, but today I was reflecting on the. Like how, yeah, there's all these people who did Marian consecration who started these, you know, the books about it and stuff, but how it really started when, you know, uh, our Lord entrusted St. John with Mary, behold your mother. Like, that's the start of Marian consecration in many ways, you know, like, that's like, here's your mother, like, take her um, as your own. And, and in that, you know, giving Mary to us as well. So... Yeah, I wouldn't say it's. I'm still learning a lot about it, but it's it's a journey for sure. But I think it's definitely one that um, 
there's a lot of peace. There's a lot of, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I lost my mother a few years ago. And just knowing that I have a heavenly mother who loves me and who cares for me and who wants the greatest good for me, um, like there can't be a better gift than that. So, yeah. Yeah. Father Stinnett, what stage in life were you at when you did your consecration? I was in my first year of seminary uh, when I did my first consecration to Mary. Um, there was a whole group of us. Um, we were reading through um, the Father Gately's 33 Days to Morning Glory together. Um, we would you know, sort of meet and discuss the readings once a week, which was convenient for the way that Father Gately has his laid out. It's sort of arranged by weeks. Um and it just seemed like uh, the next right thing to do. Um, so it was something you were totally ready for, all in. Uh, I thought so. <laughs> uh, you know, like Nicole said, like Marian consecration is much deeper than I would have imagined before I started. Um, one of the things I can remember my first year, I was sort of uncomfortable with the idea of entrusting all of my petitions and things merits? to Mary and merits, right? Mm. Yeah. To Mary, because I'm like, well what if I want them to go to a particular place or <laughs> sort of in a selfish yes. way? Well, but they're mine. Uh, why would I give them all to Mary? Um, but as I've done that and, you know, continued to do that nearly every year, um, it just, it just makes sense to me. Like Mary knows people's needs more than I do. Mm -hmm. um, and it also, it also takes some pressure off of me of like, as a priest, I don't know how many people ask me throughout any particular day, Father, will you pray for me? And I always say yes. Do I remember each individual particular intention? Unfortunately, no. Um, but I can bring them all to Mary generally, and she knows exactly what they need. She's not going to forget. She's in heaven. Um, so there's like some consolation in that, too, of like, all right, Mary's got these prayers covered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Takes the pressure off of me to have to remember all of them sometimes. Um, and then also, like, the few merits that I may have, um, uniting those with Mary, who is, you know, has the most merits of any human person. Uh, yeah, that sort of like amplifies them to make them, uh, you know, worth all the more. So, uh, it's, it, it sort of took some getting used to, to think, okay, this isn't actually taking anything away from me. Um, as much as I am giving them to her, like, and it's the same with God, anything we give to God, he always gives us back and then some, it's the same with Mary. Whatever we give to her, she gives it back to us and then some. Uh, so there's a lot of consolation and just, uh, uh, you know, a greater trust, I think, too. Um, I've just noticed over the years just being able to turn to her more easily, more readily, almost like second nature, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about how, like, no one, like, no one knows you better than your mother, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and, like, there's you know, she, you were in her womb for, you know, nine months. And there's, there's this, they even say like, you know, some of the cells remain with them, you know, and I, and I was reflecting on that with Mary and Jesus, like often people's reservation to Mary's marrying consecration or they're like, well, why can't I just go to God first? Mm -hmm. Right. There's this, you know, and it's like, well, you are because, you know, um, no one knows Jesus better than Mary, you know, and then the saints talk about this, you know, you can never honor, 
our our lady too much you know you, mm-hmm. like like it actually brings jesus more honor the more you honor his mother if you think about that like you know like you don't want anyone to say anything bad about your mother you know like you defend mm-hmm. that and jesus the same like um he and even more so you know he's god and so um and Louis de Montfort talks about it's like the easiest, safest, surest way. It's like, okay, sign me up. You know, I, <laughs> there's so many distractions in this world. I need that safe, safe way. Right. Who doesn't want the surety? Well, and that's where I wish I had started with um, Father Gately's book because he begins his uh, 33 days with de Montfort, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and going through his life and that easiest, surest. Obviously, I had heard it before, but mm-hmm. it. When I did my first consecration, not all of it was clicking, and I mean, it was um, yeah. it, it was uh, difficult. Um, but then I pick up uh, Father Gately's book, and <clears throat> so he lays out the easiest and surest, you know, through De Montfort. Okay, got my attention, and then John Paul II, Maximilian Kolbe, and uh, Mother Teresa. I'm like, yeah, you know, some of my favorite <laughs> saints, and the way that he weaved. Um, the stories of their lives and their devotions to Mary and how they lived their consecration. Um, yeah, that was a, a really a light bulb moment, uh, for me. I want to shift uh, father. We only have you for about another 10 minutes. Um, we can come back to some of the consecration, uh, devotional areas, but I know you have a real devotion to our lady of Cabejo. Yeah, um, it was not something that I sort of planned, uh, but one of my classmates in seminary uh, is from Rwanda in uh, East Africa, where the apparitions of Our Lady of Cabejo uh, occurred in the early 1980s. And I just so happened to be able to go over to Rwanda for his ordination in August after I was ordained a priest in May. And the feast day for Our Lady of Cabejo uh, is celebrated on November 28th, which uh, was the day of her first appearance um, it, to the schoolgirls in Cabejo. Um, but the the people of Rwanda celebrate her feast day on the Assumption. Uh, so I was over there for the Assumption, for her feast day. And it was sort of my first, um, you know, big pilgrimage uh, to a Marian shrine. Uh, we have, you know, the Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation here in Ohio, up in Cary, which is mm-hmm. uh, beautiful, and I've been there many times. Uh, it's a good, quiet place uh, to pray and be close to Mary. I've been to uh, the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C., which is awesome, um, especially, you know, when it's packed full for the Mass for Life or something like that. Like, that's always a powerful experience. But um, this is my first time, like, traveling halfway across the world to go visit Mary uh, somewhere. And it just really struck me, the devotion of the people there. Um, I think there was just something very personal that the people at Cabejo had with their connection with Mary. It was, you know, Mary is our mother, but in a very particular way, she is their mother. She was there. Mm -hmm. Um, She's appeared to them. She's spoken to them as a people. Um, And yeah, they just have a really deep and rich approach to Mary. Her story... And it's an approved apparition of the church. It is, yeah. The, the bishop um, there in the Diocese of Jacongoro uh, approved the apparition in 2001, and the Holy See uh, also gave their approval, so it's it's approved for, uh, yeah, universal uh, devotion throughout the church. Um, 
But Our Lady appeared there um, particularly as she took sort of two different titles. Um, one, she appeared as the Mother of Sorrows, um, and she also took on a new title, uh, Mother of the Word, um, which uh, you know is sort of referencing St. John's Gospel right at the beginning. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, talking about the Son. But as I was talking with the people there, sort of why that is so significant to them, um, I'm not going to try to say the the actual title in the native Kinyarwanda. Uh, it, I'll just butcher it. But um, for them, word is more than, you know, just an idea. It's really something personal. Um, like the spoken word is sort of a sharing of yourself with someone else. Mm. So to say that she's the mother of the word, she's the mother of that relationship that God has with us through his son, Jesus. Um, and, and I thought that was just a really beautiful, um, reflection of, uh, of what, of who Mary is for all of us. Um, so I stayed over there for, uh, about two and a half weeks. Um, I stayed with, uh, the bishop, in one of the guest houses that they have. And, uh, my last couple of days there, he, gave me two statues uh, that he blessed himself at uh, the shrine of Our Lady of Cabejo on her feast day, uh, two statues of Our Lady. Uh, so one of them I took back and gave to uh, Bishop Brennan as a gift for the diocese. Bishop Celestine asked that one be given to Bishop Brennan, and the other, he said, were for my parishes. Uh, I was assigned uh, in Chillicothe and Waverly at the time, and the parish in Waverly is St. Mary, Queen of the Missions. So I thought that would be the perfect place uh, so we got a nice little uh, shelf on the wall and have the statue of Our Lady of Cabejo there. And we started a devotion to Our Lady of Cabejo every uh, third Wednesday of the month, because that's the closest to the 15th of each month, which mm -hmm. in September is uh, the feast day for Our Lady of Sorrows. Uh, and there's still a group today that meets to pray the chaplet of Our Lady of Sorrows, um, pray her litany, and, uh, and trust those intentions, uh, especially intentions for priests, uh, to Our Lady so, yeah, something really beautiful to bring back. I was not expecting to do any of that, but, <laughs> but um, wow. Mary knew that yeah, uh, surprises. that we needed to say some extra prayers to her. So, yeah, yeah it was a wonderful trip. Father Stinnett, what about that trip kind of um, just really spoke to you? Um, I'm pulling it up in my phone here because I have a picture. So on the outside of the uh, shrine there in Cabejo, they have four different banners in four different languages um, that all sort of put in bullet point form the message of okay. Our Lady of Cabejo, which is um, which I will read to you now. Uh, so this is straight from Cabejo, uh, the message of Our Lady. One, I am the mother of the word. All right, just reiterating that title, re reiterating that relationship. Um, two, the child of Mary accepts his own sufferings. Three, repent without delay. So this is sort of perfect timing as we're beginning Lent to hear this message of Our Lady. Uh, number four, endure sufferings in order to help Jesus save the world. Um, it was around this time, uh, well, it was maybe a, a year or so before I went to Cabejo, but um, one of my favorite passages from St. Paul is um, the the um, at the beginning of the letter to the Colossians. He talks about, um, you know, taking up in his own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of the church. Um, and that sort of really opened my eyes to 
giving some context and some meaning to, you know, the old Catholic phrase, offer it up, right? Okay, so what are we doing? Like, what does that mean? Um, it means that uh, those things that we endure, whether we choose them or not, um, can work for our salvation when we give them to Jesus, when we unite them to his saving sufferings. Because um, I was just really struck and sort of disturbed by that that phrase, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. I'm like, what on earth is lacking? What's in lacking? The... Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the one perfect sacrifice. And uh, I think Mary just helped me see, well, the thing that's lacking is me. Mm. I need to be present mm. in those sufferings, just as she was, as she stood at the foot of the cross. Um, and so as I invite Jesus into my sufferings, um, that's how he can make something beautiful out of them. And uh, Our Lady encourages that. Our Lady at Cabejo encourages that. Um, just to summarize the rest, there are 12 points. Um, she very much uh, encourages devotion to the rosary, uh, devotion to the chaplet of Our Lady of Sorrows, uh, which is uh, very similar to the rosary. It's seven sets of seven rather than five sets of ten, so it saves you a Hail Mary, too. There's one benefit. <laughs> um, and then the very last uh, of, her, of her message is simply come back to God, um, mm. which... A lot of people see in some of the visions that she gave to the three uh, schoolgirls there in Cabejo, um, Marie, Claire, Natalie, and Alphonsine, um, one of her visions was sort of like uh, the vision of purgatory and hell that she gave to the, the shepherd children at Fatima, a very disturbing vision. Um, it was of violence and destruction. They saw like corpses lining the street. And a lot of people see in that sort of a warning of the genocide that happened in Rwanda. About 10 years later. Exactly, right? about a decade later. Um, it was sort of Mary's warning. This is what happens when you don't heed my message, mm. when we don't recognize um, that she is the mother of the word, that um, that relationship that we're supposed to have with God has to be the center of our lives. When we don't come back to God, death and destruction enter into the world in a really alarming way. Um, Marie Claire, the third of the visionaries, uh, she was actually killed in the genocide. Um, mm -hmm. She was one of the, they, they estimate between 800,000 and a million people were killed in 100 days. Mm -hmm. And if you do the math, that's one person every nine seconds, mm -hmm. which is just utterly uh, shocking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Father, I think it's important that you said, uh, quote, when we don't come back to God. And it's, Correct me on this if I'm wrong, but it's not that, oh, this is God's wrath and justice may be part of it, but but particularly because of the sin in the world, um, she's warning us, well, if if you don't come back to God, then this is a natural result. Yeah, exactly. It's not that um, God is you know out there just sitting on the edge of his seat ready to throw that lightning bolt right. um, because he hates us. No, he loves us. But when we walk away, we're walking away from grace. We're walking away from all those benefits that he brings. And, um, you know, I tell people this all the time. The devil hates you. Right. He does not like you. He hates you. And as soon as you give him a foothold, as soon as you're walking away from God, that's when that death and destruction and chaos enter, and sometimes mm -hmm. in very extreme ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Father Jacob Sinet, Nicole Simmental here with us. I know, Father, you have an appointment to get to. Yeah, Can on, leave your on that cheery note. I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might drop. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, to all of our listeners out there, uh, the Lord be with you. And with and your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Go in peace. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thank you, Thank Father. Thank you, Father. God bless you.
All right. Where do you pick up? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to follow the... that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the we can, if you guys want to stay on uh, the apparitions, um, you know, for a few minutes, the, the, the Marian um, apparitions always seem to be tied they're timeless, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. a message for humanity out, outside of the time, but it seems like they're also very specific to to something happening in that area, that region at that time. Mm. You know, think of Fatima um, in, in, in Portugal um, between the world wars. And, you know, just, again, a prophetic of what the world is going to be facing. There's a warning often in in these apparitions but then there's also the way mm-hmm. and, and and that way is always jesus christ you know back to the earlier part of the conversation that's mary's role is to bring us closer to her son so mm-hmm. whatever warnings or tribulations or things that are mentioned in some of these uh apparitions mary's always providing hope and, and a way forward right dave i am so struck by that because you're so right but it just makes me think, isn't that so like a mother? Yeah. You, you you think of our mothers and they, especially in, maybe in our teen years or as we're growing, it, wanting us to come into ourselves and choose our own things, but really also being there like, okay, if you don't make this decision or are you thinking about this or, you know, the, the warnings that come to, to let us know, hey, you might be heading towards a path of destruction. And if you don't change your ways not so good things would follow. But then she also provides us, Hey, this is, this is a good way here. Let me show you a good way. And like you said, Dave, that's, that's Christ. Moms, moms are typically right. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I always said, don't play ball in the house, you know? And, uh, yeah, things get broken. (laughs) Yeah. And I often think how I was just reflecting as you guys were talking about how I can just almost imagine our lady like you know in a sense heaven pleading let me go to them mm. let me um yeah let me let me go to them and, and visit them and, and like you said um mary while she's the mother of all she's just like god is the father of all you know and jesus our savior like there's um there's a personal element to it right so she she meets she and all of her apparitions you know um like uh you know, when she appears to Juan Diego, it's like in the native of, you know, of the people, like she, she comes to them personally. And like father was just talking about, you know, um, that she's very much their mother and Cabejo, like she came to them personally in all of those situations and enter in into the, even though it's timeless in a sense, it entered into that uh, specific place and what they were going through and talked to them specifically while at the same time, the message um, while most of most of the time repeated often, you know, repent, pray the rosary, um, do sacrifice, do penance, uh, you know, um, for the salvation of, uh, you know, of the world in a sense, you know, to help Jesus in that, you know, not that he needs our help, but, but that again, because God is so personal, he wants us to take a part in that, you know, and like, what a beautiful gift. And I just, I just imagine her, you know, like, um, yeah, in heaven pleading for us you know and and i i always come back to the quote you know she says to juan diego like um are you not under my shadow of protection 
Am I not the source of your joy? Am I not here who am your mother? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle and the crossing of my arms? Do you need anything more? Let nothing else worry you or disturb you. And it's like, wow, you know, when you reflect on that, like, um, no matter what happens, like, am I not in her arms at all times? She's always looking at me uniquely and personally and um, wants the best for me, which is heaven. You know, that's our, our goal. Um, and just a beautiful thing to constantly reflect on. Um, because I think often when people do these consecrations or do, you know, you expect, okay, like I've consecrated to Mary. Now anything I ask for or like entrust to her is going to happen. And that's not, that's not the case because she ultimately wants what God wants, which is not always what we want, mm -hmm. you know, and, but, but God knows best what we need. Um, it's often, a the father daily who talks about like you know the sacred heart devotion you know you let the sacred heart in like he's going to rearrange the furniture you know in yep. a sense like the same with our lady when we when we entrust everything to her like there is um a sense of there has to be change and as we enter this lenten season um you know yesterday i witnessed over two thousand students come to mass we had one um 6 p.m mass with the bishop and there are 980 students at that mass at one mass and you know, he gets up there, he says, there's no point in getting ashes on your head unless you're, you're going to change. You're going to, you want to convert your life. You want to be different. Like there has to be that element of, of change in our life. And the same with, with consecration to our lady. Like if we consecrate ourselves to her. There's, there's something that has to happen. You don't just consecrate and that's it. Um, you know, there's these steps of praying the rosary and offering daily devotions to her or, sacrifices to her and things like that so it's it's constantly a conversion of heart mm -hmm. i think it's also in in this that we can trust her to change our hearts mm -hmm. right that it's not something that okay i'm going to do a marian consecration and now i have to double down and make sure that i do all these changes it's it's really her molding our hearts and i take such consolation in that yeah I'm just thinking of uh, Nicole, uh, what you were saying with the Ash Wednesday uh, uh, masses at uh, at the Newman Center, and in Mary's role in Lent, you know specifically. First thought is to um, Simeon's prophecy, you know that your heart will be pierced, uh, and then ending at the foot of the cross. So it, it's very. Mary is central to the Lenten journey. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, of course we should be having this conversation today, yeah. you know, right, right at the beginning of Lent and to pray for those graces, uh, those insights um, that Mary can um, help us with uh, to know her son better as we journey, uh, journey to the cross. Yeah, who better to walk with to the cross than the one who was there with him the entire time, you know? And a lot of the saints talk about this. Even if she wasn't next to him, she her heart was so united to him that it was as if she was, right? There's there's this, um, her heart and his heart were one in a sense. And so um, what beautiful way. And even in the, in the consecration, um, as we begin this Lenten, you know, all of the books, no matter which one you, you follow— 
the preparation period. There's a reason there's a preparation period, right? Mm -hmm. The same with Lent. There's a preparation yes. period to Easter. Yep. We have to prepare our hearts. And one of it is the renouncement of the world. You know, the getting getting rid of all of those distractions that keep us from the Lord um, and knowing ourselves and knowing more about the Blessed Mother and knowing ultimately about Jesus and God. So those those steps that, you know, any of the people who, you know, Louis de Montfort lays out those steps first and then everyone who follows, follows them in some sense. But there's that, that denying of self, right? That dying to self in order to get us to her and ultimately to God, so... Nicole Simmental here in the cafe. We're talking about Marian consecration. We have just about two minutes left. Nicole, you mentioned that you're going to be reconsecrating with the folks at Buckeye Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, what's the date of the consecration? Do you know? We're doing the Annunciation. Okay. And technically this year, because of the Annunciation falls um, during Holy Week, mm -hmm. um, the Monday of Holy Week. So it's not, they've, the church has moved it to, the next available date, which is April 8th, which is crazy to think because it's after the octave. So we'll actually celebrate as a church the Sunday on April 8th, even though it's the 25th. But we're still following it, you know, so that when yeah. we renew it and we follow the, the 25th date. But. Yeah. So for those um, of our friends that don't know how to choose a date, typically you select uh, a Marian feast day for your consecration date. Uh, Father had mentioned December 8th is the one that he typically renews on. But if you look at any of these books, there'll be some sort of a table at the beginning where you can go online to check um, where the starting point would be. So if you want to consecrate on December 8th, you should start on this date. And it's widely available and, and, and easy to do. But any, uh, any final words of encouragement, Amanda? Actually, Nicole, I really love what you just said, and I, I hope I quote you correctly, but who better to walk with on the way to the cross than with the one who was with him? And man, I'm just going to carry that little nugget with me for sure, because you're right, Nicole, who, who better to walk with in this journey? Yeah, she loves us all, and she wants what's best for us, and how blessed we are that we have a mother who cares so deeply for each one of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she keeps her eye on all of her children. Yes. <laughs> and so you're never doing a consecration alone. Um, and trust, trust in the Lord, trust in Mary that, uh, that it's worth doing. Tomorrow morning here in the cafe, we're going to be joined by Bishop Fernandez. We're talking vocations. And Amanda, Nicole, Great morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As, As it was in the beginning, beginning is now, now and ever shall be, a world without end. end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Have a great day.